electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is the American Greek Podcast, presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. In this episode of American Greed, the shadowy world of film financing, where fortunes can be stolen. We are just dying to make this movie, and we put so much into it, and now somebody's stolen it away from us. And good names dragged through the mud. Their reputations, and in some cases, their careers were destroyed by this fraud. Jason Van Eman and Ben McConley are up-and-coming players in Hollywood's independent film scene, producing and financing movies through Weathervane Productions. Van Eman is a former B-list actor who finds the deals. He was the salesman. He was charismatic. He was smooth. And McConley uses social media to show off his life as a wealth manager, married to an Instagram model, and he uses his family's money to fund them. He was all over social media. Flashy lifestyle, drove Ferraris and Bentleys. Ben McConley was all about his image. In a few short years, the partners built a list of credits for financing films starring A-list celebrities. But the feds tell American Greed that these so-called financiers use other people's millions to fund some films and steal the rest. Every day you had a cancerous knot just wondering if this project is ever going to be realized. But what these bad actors haven't counted on is getting caught up in a timeless Hollywood storyline. The revenge plot. You mess with the wrong guys, I'm going to make it my life mission to put you in jail. You know that the whole house of cards has now collapsed on itself. And that's when I got the bright idea how to go after these guys. In the spring of 2015, production is moving along on the independent feature film Inside Game, the story of an infamous NBA betting scandal, and the passion project of venture capitalist turned filmmaker Paul Martino. We've scouted locations, we have our we have a director, we you know, we're ready to go. Martino has put up $1.25 million of his own and believes those funds have been matched by Jason Van Eman and Ben McConley of Weathervane Productions. We thought we had, had found a perfect partner to go fill in the other half of the financing to make the movie. But before the cameras can roll, there's trouble. The line producer calls me up, he says, Paul, why is there no money in the production account? It's not just a mystery, it's a crime that will take three years to solve. Leaving the cast, the crew, and Martino's $1.25 million in the lurch. They had found this sweet spot where they wanted to make the movie. And then as they were closing in on getting production started, that money was gone.
This is a Hollywood crime story that starts about as far from the movie biz as one can imagine, in the Midwestern town of Bartlesville, Oklahoma, where a young man named Jason Van Eman grows up in a solid middle-class family and appears to have a promising future, according to his attorney, Neil Carrotville. He was a good student. He was a good athlete. He, early on, had an ambition uh, to be a fighter pilot. And he actually got into the Air Force Academy, which is no small accomplishment. But after a year at the Air Force Academy, Van Eman decides it's not for him. There is another dream calling. The kid really wants to be in pictures. Like so many aspiring young actors before him, he heads to Hollywood. He actually achieved some success as an actor by getting a number of roles and, in fact, had two starring roles in some smaller budget films. Billy, Billy, Billy. In 2005, Van Eman lands a leading role in a low-budget feature called Regarding Billy, the coming-out story of an Air Force pilot, coincidentally, and his best friend. Would you relax, Billy? Get over here, let's catch up. But Van Eman is still waiting on his big break and struggles to make a living as an actor. By 2006, he leaves Los Angeles to get married and start a family in Oklahoma. But one foot remains firmly in Hollywood. He wanted to transition from acting into actually making movies. Van Eman starts a company called Weathervane Productions and works his L.A. contacts from Bartlesville trying to make movie deals. Around 2011, Van Eman meets 29-year-old Miami investor Ben McConley through a mutual business associate, a Hollywood producer who has worked with Van Eman on film production and with McConley on film investing. Ben McConley owns Forest Capital Partners, and claims to control an inherited portfolio of massive wealth run through his so-called family office. He had the fancy clothes. He had the fine jewelry. He had all the Ferraris and Maseratis you would want to see. He was flying on private jets, trips to Las Vegas. He appeared to be someone who could finance film and other projects. The high-flying Florida financier and the Oklahoma producer decide to partner up with a business plan and a dream. To become well-known players in the indie film world. Mr. Van Eman spoke the language of Hollywood, and he could assure the investors and the producers who were, you know, looking for money that he was going to be able to match or finance about 50% of the budget. He told them that his financial partner, Ben McConley, was going to be the one who actually put the assets into the deal. The partnership produces a series of low-budget, straight-to-streaming Christian faith-based projects with titles including The Sparrows and Fishes in Loaves, Heaven Sent. These get little traction, but serve an important purpose, to build Van Eman's reputation as a producer, as well as building producing credits. The more projects, the more movies they made, the more reputable directors, producers, and actors that they had on board, the more legitimacy they had. 
you know, in a real way, their credibility was their IMDb pages. What no one yet knows, however, is that Weathervane Productions' business model is riddled with lies. Jason Van Eamon's background as an actor and, you know, to a lesser extent as a movie business veteran really made him ideally suited to become a fraudster. He was good at pretending, and that's ultimately what the success of the scheme depended on, was him pretending that he and his partner had the money to finance these movies. The only assets these so-called financiers really have is money brought in from unsuspecting creative partners and investors. The way it worked was the money first hit Ben McConley's account, and then Ben McConley would decide arbitrarily and kind of on his own how much he was going to pay himself and move into his other accounts, and then how much he was going to send to Jason Van Eamon. And it was Van Eamon's responsibility then to decide which movies got paid and which ones were left hanging. For eight years, Van Eamon and McConley are able to keep their scheme going, while Weathervane Productions parlays its ever-growing reputation into more deals. And they are meeting with producers from all over the world who are searching for funding deals for their indie films. Saul Papadopoulos is a UK-based producer working on his latest indie film, A Quiet Passion, a biopic about the life of poet Emily Dickinson and the passion project of writer and director Terence Davies, seen by many critics as one of the greatest British filmmakers of his time. He reads Emily Dickinson every month, and he says it's almost like his religion. Davies has written the script about Dickinson's life, and Sex and the City star Cynthia Nixon has signed on to play the lead. So he said he wrote it sort of with me in mind a bit, um, and then he sent me the completed script, and I signed on immediately. Now it's up to producer Saul Papadopoulos to finance the film. He travels to the American film market in L.A. and takes a meeting with Jason Van Eamon of Weathervane Productions. He was a handsome chap who talked the talk, came across as really caring about the project, and he just laid on the charm. Van Eamon's financing structure is unlike any the filmmaker has encountered before, and he is intrigued. Structure was, you put a dollar into their account, in 90 days you get two dollars back. As an investment, 50-50 with your money and theirs into the film production. No one was doing that structure. I mean, it was just unbelievable. In other words, Weathervane is getting 50% ownership of the future profits and only makes money if the film makes money. The producers are skeptical, but references on other completed films are positive, and the agreement appears to be legit. That's when you think, okay, well, should we dip our toes in this water? Remembering, of course, that we've got an independent film production about an American poet. It's not hugely commercial. We took those tentative steps and put $1.8 million into their account. In hindsight, of course, that was a massive risk. In late 2014, UK-based producer Saul Papadopoulos is working on his latest independent film, A Quiet Passion. 90 days after signing a financing agreement with Jason Van Eamon and Weathervane Productions, 
He expects to have access to a $4 million production account. But the account is empty. So we give him a day, and then we get on the phone to Jason Van Eman. And then he said, well, it's, um, it's on its way. The banking, you know, there's some compliance issues. We've got a man on the, on the inside of the bank who's telling me everything's fine. On day 100, it's definitely not fine. 65 crew members are now building out sets in Belgium and need to get paid. The producers are forced to take out a bridge loan to cover salaries. Two weeks later, Van Eman transfers a tiny portion of the funds. We get a drip feed of $10,000. And then three days later, we get another $10,000. And we're like, Jason, what's going on? He doesn't think there's a problem. He's getting us the money, even though it's just drip, drip, drip. A week before shooting is scheduled to start with the cast, Papadopoulos has no idea if he will be able to pay his starring actress, Cynthia Nixon. No agent in America puts their cast on a plane without seeing the money in an account. So this is the big test then. We call Jason Van Eman and say, right, we need several hundred thousand dollars tomorrow or the film's off. In the nick of time, Van Eman sends enough for Papadopoulos to keep the production going. But the troubles with Weathervane don't end there. It was possibly one of the most unpleasant experiences of my producing life, because every day you had a cancerous knot, just wondering if this project is ever going to be realized. Even though the producer is forced to hound Van Eman every day for months to get his funding, Papadopoulos is able to keep the cast and crew unaware of the financial nightmare happening behind the scenes. And they are able to pull off a successful shoot and edit. We got away by the skin of our teeth. And it was a really frightening realization that it could have all gone so wrong. In February of 2016, A Quiet Passion premieres at the Berlin Film Festival to critical acclaim. Papadopoulos believes the film's high profile is the only reason the money finally came through. We can only surmise that it was because we had a really credible project that they perhaps were using our project, our feature film, as a proof of concept to then convince others, look, we're 50% investors in this film, why don't you invest in the next one? And I can only guess that that's why we got away with it and so many others lost their money. But those losses are still in the future, for now. With another executive producer credit under his belt, Jason Van Eman continues to level up. He travels to Cannes and other European film festivals and wines and dines in Monte Carlo. He was holding himself out as a film financier. So it was important for him to be seen aboard mega yachts and, you know, partying with film industry types because it helped him portray himself as legitimate. Within a few years, Weathervane has a growing list of titles with A-list stars attached, including Jane Got a Gun starring Natalie Portman, Urge with Pierce Brosnan, and film festival darling The Tale starring Laura Dern. Filmmakers from near and far are taking notice. Paul Martino is a self-described Philly kid, born and bred about 3,000 miles from Hollywood and a world away. 
basically started as a total accident getting into the movie business. Uh, my day jobs are run a venture capital firm, and I am an entrepreneur. He's also a family guy who happens to have a cousin with an unbelievable life story. My cousin, Tommy Martino, was involved in one of the largest scandals in sports history. Him and his buddy, Tim Donahue, were involved in rigging a bunch of NBA games when Tim was a referee. Tommy Martino served time for his part in the scandal, and when he gets out, his prospects are limited, except for offers he's fielding from producers trying to nab his so-called life rights or ownership of his story. And he called me up, he said, Paulie, will you read this contract? He sends me this contract, and it was the most awful one-sided contract I'd ever read in my life. He said, Tommy, you can't sign this. He's like, look, I just got out of jail, I need some money. And so I bought his life rights really just as a, just as a favor to my cousin to get him back on his feet after he got out of jail. I never in a million years ever thought that we would make a film, let alone be talking about what happened en route to making the film. Six months later, Martino happens to meet Hollywood screenwriter Andy Callahan, also a big basketball fan from Philly. When Callahan hears the story, he asks to write it and turns out a screenplay for a film called Inside Game. It is the true story of Tommy Martino, who's my cousin, Tim Donahue, who's the referee, and Jimmy Batista, who's the gambler. Basically, the three of them hatched a scandal that was all based on the fact that Tim knew how certain games were gonna get called. And it was a pretty amazing story. In many ways, I call the film Goodfellas for Dummies because these three kind of not exactly the sharpest guys around got in way over their head and managed to piss off the NBA, the FBI, and the mob all at the same time. Paul Martino contacts Michael Pierce, a fellow venture capitalist and former movie producer with a track record of successful films. So I read the script. He had hired someone to write the script, and it was not a bad script. So I said, you know what? Well, this is a side pet project. Let me tinker with this for a while. With that, Paul Martino thinks he's found a way to make his movie-making dreams come true. In early 2015, serial entrepreneur Paul Martino makes a career shift from venture capital to filmmaking with the production of his movie, Inside Game. This is like any other startup company. What do I need to go do? I was like, okay, we need a director. We need to figure out what the budget is. Martino and his new partner, Michael Pierce, anticipate needing about $4 million to make the film. And while Martino is hugely successful, he doesn't want to take on all the risk. I said, look, Michael, I'm good for half that. I have a couple buddies of mine. I'm put up, call it about $2 million. Can you figure out how we do the rest? Pierce hires a line producer and tasks him with finding a way to finance the other half of the film. And the producer comes back with a lead, Weathervane Productions. He says, I have found a financing arrangement that is foolproof and requires only half of the capital. They'll give us the other half. And I said, okay, well, that, that sounds good. It's a matching deal. So who are these guys and what have they done? The guys are executive producer Jason Van Eman and wealthy investor Benjamin McConley. Through Weathervane Productions, they have financed several independent films and are in production on many more. We did our reference calls on who Weathervane and Jason and his business partner Ben McConley were. 
We found other people who had made films with them. Michael Pierce calls a reference at one of the largest talent agencies in Hollywood and likes what he hears. So, you know, well, they seem to have money and they have a lending facility with Wells Fargo Bank out of Miami. I said, really, Wells Fargo? Wow, that's one of the oldest and most esteemed lending institutions in America. So it sounds like it's legit to me, right? She says, well, we haven't had any issues so far. The agreement is relatively simple. Martino and Pierce would send their half to Ben McConnelly's personal Wells Fargo banker, Benjamin Raphael in Florida. And Raphael will certify and manage the accounts. Ben was presented to us as a very successful multimillionaire from a very wealthy family. He is able to collateralize your money up against his other assets to produce the match. So we talked to the banker. I got on the phone with him in Miami. Get it all checked out. Before sending his $1.25 million to Weathervane, as a final precaution, Martino decides to have the contracts reviewed one more time by his business partner, a securities lawyer. It haunts me to this day what he said to me. This contract is weird, but it's ironclad. Unless they have somebody inside the bank, there's no way you can lose your money. In May of 2015, Martino wires the money to McConnelly's account. And that summer, pre-production on Inside Game gets underway. All seems to be going smoothly until it isn't. We're doing pre-production work. We're scouting locations. We're interviewing directors. And then eventually we get to the spot where the line producer now needs to have access to the production budget because he needs to start writing checks to go secure locations. The line producer calls me up. He says, Paul, why is there no money in the production account? There's supposed to be about $4 million in their production account, but the balance is zero. Michael and I are like, look, that money needed to be there. We're calling Ben, we're calling Jason, we're calling the bank. You know, what's going on here? And they said, oh, it's coming. We just got a little held up and we have, you know, five movies in production. It'll be here in, you know, it's two or three weeks. Three weeks go by and money doesn't get to the account. And I'm starting to realize, ah, this is bad. This is bad. Paul Martino decides it's time to figure out just how bad it is and hires a private investigator to look into the man with the money. I said, listen, I've got somebody I need to go check in on in Miami. Would you please go take a look at Ben McConley? He goes, he observes his behavior. He looks at bank accounts. 48 hours later, the investigator calls Martino with an update. And it's all bad news. He goes, Paul, your money's all gone. This guy stole it all. And so I call Michael up. I go, Michael, it's exactly what you thought. And our investigator is 100% certain that the money is gone. 100% certain. No doubt in his mind. What makes the PI so sure? It's all laid out in his damaging dossier. A document laying bare Ben McConley's outrageous lifestyle, his financial information, and his alleged criminal record. And it was everything Michael and I was worried that well, this report our, was going to say. Our worst fears were realized, because right. I just thought, great, he's got a fleet of exotic cars. He frequents clubs and spends $20,000 on bottle service every night. Jeez, I wonder where our money went. Yep. 
Ben McConley is brazenly spending lavish amounts of money all around South Florida. And it is all documented on social media with his girlfriend and later wife, an Instagram model for whom McConley employs personal photographers for her weekly photo shoots. When you pictured a person that would steal your money in a scandal, you would picture him living the lifestyle of Ben McConley in Miami. The model Instagram girlfriend, the fancy cars, the big house. The PI unearthed that his girlfriend was now pregnant and that they had this baby shower. He said, I think they spent a million dollars on this baby shower. So when you're picturing somebody who's gonna steal money from you and spend it like it's not theirs, you're picturing Ben McConley. With their money gone, Martino and Pierce make the tough decision to stop production of Inside Game. In the fall of 2015, Paul Martino and Michael Pierce should be filming their indie movie, Inside Game, but their $4 million budget has vanished, and they suspect that their financiers, Jason Van Eamon and Ben McConley, are running a Ponzi scheme. They probably used money from later projects to fund the few projects that we got the good references for, and they ran out of money by the time it was time to do our project. I just remember that pit in my stomach feeling of, this really happened? I'm the person who got duped and I brought other people with me? That's a horrible feeling. Most of Paul Martino's career has been spent in the tech industry in Silicon Valley. So he pulls in his IT team to develop a website alert that pops up anytime someone searches the internet for keywords related to Weathervane Productions. The pop-up details his allegations of fraud and asks anyone with concerns to contact Paul Martino. And over the course of six or so months, almost 30 different people called me on that phone number. And those calls, they were all over the map. Some of them were, these guys stole my money. Some of them were, I'm thinking about working with them, what do you think? Boy, this pissed Ben and Jason off. They knew my phone was gonna ring every time they were trying to reel in another fish. Martino gathers a list of other producers and investors who claim they have lost their money to Weathervane deals. We know that we're victims of fraud. We know that these are criminal actors on the other side. And our objective is really now just to collect enough information to try and go after them. And I remember telling Ben, at some point, somebody's gonna call me from the FBI and ask for all the names I found. In 2016, Assistant U.S. Attorney Christopher Brown begins fielding complaints about a possible film financing fraud. Several victims told us that they had been looking for financing, uh, many of them to make movies, and that they initially approached or were approached by a company called Weathervane Productions and its principal, Jason Van Eamon. FBI Special Agent Mark Soucy is brought in to investigate and is quickly alerted to Paul Martino. Paul was one of those victims when I spoke to that I just could not believe that he would lose all his money to these individuals. So I'm on the phone and Mark is being polite. and He's kind of like, you know, Paul, we think that you might have been a victim of a crime. He's like, yeah, I, I know I was a victim of a crime. By the way, would you like to see the report I got from the PI? He's like, yes, I would. 
Oh, by the way, I set up a website and I found 30 other victims and references. Would you like to speak with them? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I would like to speak with them. So Paul Martino was unique in this investigation and a lot of referrals and a lot of victims came to the FBI through that source. The investigation team learns that while the largest loss is a staggering $28 million, the vast majority of victims are much smaller players, creative individuals scraping together funds to realize a dream. Jason Van Eman and Ben McConley had promised to help make those dreams come true. But it's all lies. They targeted a, a pretty small insular community, you know, of creatives, of people who are in this independent film world who really, you know, need financing because they don't have big studios backing them. So they put a lot of trust in these defendants and ultimately that, that trust was betrayed. Investigators also learned that Ben McConley's so-called private banker, Benjamin Raphael, is simply a mid-level bank employee recruited by McConley to participate in the fraud. Agent Susie discovers that Raphael was fired from the bank in 2015, yet he continues to provide fake official-looking bank letters to Van Eman and McConley to give to their investors about the security of their accounts. What we found is there was no secure account. It was Forest Capital Partners, Benjamin McConley's business checking account at Wells Fargo. That's solely what it was. And a giant portion of investor money was moved and spent nearly immediately. The FBI calculates that over the course of seven years, more than $68 million moves into and quickly out of McConley's account. Much of it spent as fast as he could get it. Social media was full of Ben McConley and Livia McConley. Her Instagram accounts, Twitter, were filled with luxury travel, luxury clothing. At one point, he was spending tens of thousands of dollars a month just on flowers for his wife with all victim money. Investigators trace approximately $20 million of the fraudulent proceeds to a company controlled by Jason Van Eman. And he alone decides how much to keep and how much to send to his various investors. Some of these projects would get desperate. They had time deadlines they had to meet. They had actor schedules they had to keep up with. At times, Mr. Van Eman would send them just pieces of the money to keep the project going. Some projects didn't receive any of the money that went to Jason. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. In 2018, Jason Van Eman and Ben McConley have been feeling the heat in Hollywood. Their firm, Weathervane Productions, is facing multiple lawsuits and investors are hounding them for their money. Desperate for a new stream of income, the duo finds it in the Big Apple. 
Word got out, especially in the independent film community. And as a result, they decided not to stop their fraud, but to keep it rolling. And they began targeting producers in the Broadway and theater production business. Jason Van Eman also builds himself as a theater financier and starts adding new victims to his portfolio. They did a smaller project, Penn & Teller, that was somewhat successful. And then word of mouth took off that there was another source of funding. Many projects that they went into business with never got a penny back. We saw victims being impacted in really serious ways where it wasn't just their production that was being shut down. I mean, their reputations, and in some cases, their careers were destroyed by this fraud. Ultimately, their projects were doomed because of their association with Mr. Van Eman and Mr. McConley and not coming through with the funding they promised. Myself and the prosecution wanted this to end. In the summer of 2019, Jason Van Eman, Ben McConley, and Benjamin Raphael are all indicted on multiple counts of fraud in their alleged $68 million finance scheme. A month later, FBI Special Agent Mark Susie locates Ben McConley at a posh Miami resort. From the moment I walked through his hotel door and put handcuffs on him, he looked like he was relieved. It almost looked like this burden was lifted off his shoulders. On the same day, the FBI arrests Jason Van Eman at his home in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. Benjamin Raphael is arrested at his home in Miami. Within a week, Ben McConley agrees to fully cooperate with the government. He pleads guilty and on September 14, 2021, is sentenced to 13 years in federal prison. Raphael is equally cooperative and ultimately is sentenced to 42 months. Jason Van Eman, however, has other ideas. At the U.S. Federal Building in Fort Lauderdale, the trial of 44-year-old Jason Van Eman begins. Assistant U.S. Attorney Christopher Brown relies heavily on victims to make his case. We called 15 different victims to the stand during this six-week-long trial because we knew the victims, they were telling the truth. Including Michael Pierce, who takes the stand and tells the jury about sharing prophetic words with Van Eman two years prior. I said, Jason, I'm sad to say this to you, but the next time you hear me talk, it will be in a federal trial and you will be going to jail, I promise you. And he said, F you, and he hung up. That's the last time I spoke to him. Then of course I saw him in trial two years later. Paul Martino also takes the stand, coming face to face with Van Eman for the first time. He was sitting where he deserved to be sitting, defending himself in a court for a crime he committed. That's where he deserved to be. And I was very satisfied when I finally got to see him sitting there. We also wanted to, the jury to see that the bank accounts, the brokerage accounts, all of these financial institutions where they believed their money was being held safe and sound, those accounts were all empty. Ben McConley knew it, and Jason Van Eman knew it. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, 
is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. In April 2022, during the fraud trial of Jason Van Eman, the U.S. Attorney's Office calls their star witness Benjamin Raphael. The former Wells Fargo bank employee who furthered the scheme by deceiving victims about the security of their funds. Raphael testifies that Van Eman not only knew about false bank documents, he helped to create them. In terms of who controlled what the victims heard, what the victims saw, who controlled the flow of communication with these movie people, the producers and the victims in this case, that was all Jason Van Eman. He was the face of this fraud scheme. Van Eman's attorney says Raphael is incredible and that he only blamed Jason Van Eman to work out a lesser sentence. Jason Van Eman absolutely did not know that Ben Raphael was a fraud and that he was purposely writing fraudulent correspondence. He looked at Ben Raphael like any other banker that he came in contact with through uh, Ben McConley. A few weeks into the trial, it's Van Eman's turn to take the stand. He denies any wrongdoing and claims he is totally innocent of all charges. He wanted to tell the jury his belief and, and perception as to what was occurring. The fact that Ben McConley was consistently telling him all the same lies that he eventually had to pass on to the victim investors. The idea that Jason Van Eman, after being in business with Ben McConley for almost eight years and being sued dozens of times by all these victim investors, the idea that he had no idea was a little bit of a stretch. The jury does not believe Jason Van Eman. They find him guilty on all counts. Two months later, on July 21st, 2022, he is sentenced to almost 22 years in federal prison. Jason Van Eman, at some point, instead of producing his own movies, uh, writing his own scripts and making it that way, he decided to be a fake film financier. And I say he was fake because he didn't have money to produce other people's movies. He had to steal it. Two of his victims, Paul Martino and Michael Pierce, are able to get some money back, not from Van Eman, but from Wells Fargo Bank, suing for negligence. And they dragged us along for eight months, like they do, just trying to get us to give up. But we didn't. And to their credit, we settled. Wells Fargo declined American Greed's request for comment. The settlement terms are confidential, but Martino and Pierce are both satisfied that they recouped much of their loss. And this has allowed them to dust off the inside game screenplay and start figuring out how to get it made. 
And we had been through so much with this movie that we actually felt we just had an obligation to each other to make this movie. Michael Pierce gets his friend Randall Battenkoff to direct, and the director brings in Scott Wolf to play the lead. I loved the script. I loved the idea of this character. I was really excited to tell the story with them. Let's be clear about everything up. Only one of us is a drug addict. In the summer of 2018, production of Inside Game is finally underway. Martino and Pierce serve as producers, but they also appear in cameos in the film. I had the pleasure of playing one of my other cousins, Tommy's brother. Hey, Tommy. How you doing? Uh, what you up to? About four foot two? All he had to really do was walk up and insult me. So he did great. He did great. Michael Pierce has no problem bringing pent-up frustration from real life to his fictional character in the opening scene of the movie. This ain't what it looks like. Girlfriend. Not if you're playing blackjack all night. I was playing an angry, disgruntled boyfriend. It was like, okay, I just have to channel a little anger from all the process into this role. So I had barged in and like confronted him, and then Scott Wolf actually beats me up and <laughs> It was a funny role. Eight years after starting the process, inside game, the movie that Jason Van Eman and Ben McConley almost killed premieres in New York City. That was really one of the true highlights of my life. We actually got here. We got a film made. I'm proud of the movie. Everybody wanted them to win, you know, because they knew everything that they had to go through just to get to the point where we can make this film. Thanks for listening to the American Read Podcast presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.